Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. This episode from the event Writing Spiritual Stories features Luann Huska, author of Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit in Chronic Pain and Illness. We're going to uh, introduce our next presenter. Luann Huska is a freelance writer uh, who has published in many different publications. Her memoir, Hurting Yet Whole, came out in December from InterVarsity Press. And she is going to lead us in this middles section. Take it away, Luann. Thanks, Leanne, and thanks, Katie, for your beginnings presentation. Um, so yes, my section is on middles. So um, before I get into some of the nuts and bolts of crafting um, the middles of our stories, I want to talk a little bit about vulnerability, which Katie touched on um, when she mentioned that opening story for her memoir, um, which was was a act of courage to share. Um, and I get that um, question a lot as a writer and um, in writing circles, we talk a lot about um, how to handle vulnerability, how vulnerable do you get? Um, how do we you know, drum up the courage to put ourselves out there? What's an appropriate level of vulnerability? So um, I wanna ask you guys that um, participants, um, what is the purpose of being vulnerable in our storytelling? So feel free to um, go ahead and answer that question in the chat box if you'd like. Um, and while you are thinking of um, your answer to that, I, I'll share a few things that vulnerability is not for. Um, it's not to indulge the readers in voyeurism or uh, for shock value, or just to put ourselves out there just for the sake of being on display. Um, we don't have to share every detail of our stories, obviously. And I think there are a lot of times when some things are best kept between us and God, um, especially in our social media age where everything is tweet worthy and Instagrammable. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in letting things marinate and giving things time to see what comes to the surface. Um, and I'm thinking about how we just went through Easter and Holy Saturday where um, Jesus spent some time in the darkness in the tomb and uh, we don't know what happened there. And for some reason, there had to be that time progress between Good Friday and um, Easter Sunday. Um, and it wasn't just an immediate switch, right, from death to resurrection, but there was a process. So um, I think it's important to give ourselves the space for that process to work itself out in our own lives um, and know when it's appropriate at the end of that or in the middle at some point to bring some things forward to offer up to um, the people that we're leading and the wider public. Uh, with that being said, there are good reasons to be vulnerable. Um, and I'm actually having trouble seeing the chat right now and I don't wanna mess up the screen. So you guys can read through the answers there. But my answer um, to that question of what is the purpose of being vulnerable in storytelling is that it connects with others around our shared humanity. Um, so our stories of weakness and failure and despair and confusion allow others to be similarly vulnerable and it creates a culture of openness, whether that's in our congregations or our communities. 
and it fosters a sense of trust and belonging so that people know that when um, our leaders, their leaders are being vulnerable and admitting what they don't know or what they um, just what they are failing at, that when they show up with their own stories that they will be heard and seen as well. Um, and so that's really the purpose, I think, of sharing our spiritual stories is to foster that sense of connection um, with each other in our own um, storytelling, but um, that also connects us to God's bigger story of, yes, we're seen and heard and we belong. Um, we are um, enabled to tell our stories. I also need to remind myself um, in thinking about vulnerability that it's okay to share in the middle of our story, um, even in a story that's in process. Um, in her book, Native, Caitlin Curtis um, has this line where she says, this is 32 year old Caitlin speaking. And I really appreciated this um, kind of acknowledgement that she might feel differently in three years or when she's 50 or 60, um, she probably will. And that's good because we all are going through processes of change and transformation. So when we um, give ourselves that permission to share from the middle of our story, I think that gives other people or our listeners and readers permission to grow and change and, and think differently in the future. And then just the last housekeeping detail about vulnerability. Um, and when we share stories that involve other people, we want to make sure that we are asking permission. And sometimes that will mean um, that we can't share that story. I had that happen to me in um, writing Hurting It Whole. Um, and also sometimes it'll mean that we change the names and some of the details to protect other people's privacy. Um, so going into some um, kind of nuts and bolts of crafting um, the middle of a spiritual story, um, I want to talk a little bit about just the writing itself and some tips um, and practices that I've found really helpful. Um, you know, some of it's going to sound kind of elementary, but I think it does take practice to write a good story. And um, when it's done well, that's the difference between something that will remain with readers and really like sit at this emotional level that um, stays with them for a long time versus something that's just easily forgotten. Um, and I will say my book um, contains elements of spiritual memoir, but it's not all memoir. And it includes also a lot of theology and sociological critique, and the chapters are grouped according to ideas, um, not like a narrative arc. Um, so I hope that some of the tips that we're sharing will also help those of you who might not be writing a memoir, but are um, but want, have stories to tell and be able to incorporate those stories into other kinds of writing and thinking that you're doing. Um, so the first thing, um, thick description. This is, uh, I'm trained in anthropology. So this is a phrase that ethnographers use a lot. And it just means getting really meaty about the details that you're offering to people um, using your five senses and really engaging readers in that, like in the moment feeling, um, embodied feeling of being there with you. Um, showing, not telling, as our language arts teachers would say. Um, and so I use some of that in the stories that I tell in Hurting It Whole. Um, I'll just share this one with you all. Um, this, is, um, this is from one winter when I was using crutches because I was having you know, ongoing ankle pain. But the result of using crutches was that I actually sprained my wrist. So I ended up with um, two working limbs and it really um, ratcheted up my anxiety. So I was trying to describe this feeling of anxiety to readers. Um, 
So you can see, I'm not going to read through it, but you can see the ways that I um, tried to get really specific about like taste, like the, the descriptions of particular Chinese food dishes and the sound of the train and anxiety feeling like a vice. Um, so that's just, that was just one way that I was able to show readers that I was feeling really anxious and I was having a panic attack basically, um, instead of just telling them I was having a panic attack on the train. Um, another thing with um, spiritual storytelling is that obviously we have things that we have learned from our experiences that we want to convey to our readers, um, but that runs the risk of getting moralistic and preachy and um, for me as a spiritual writer, I like to take the position of a fellow pilgrim, even if that's just someone that's like two steps further down along the path. Um, I think it's especially important in an age where um, people are really um, distrustful of spiritual authority and traditional religious establishments. Um, so if we're not going to be preaching from on high, then how do we convey the lessons um, that we're learning? Um, so one of the ways we can do that is to use other characters. So, um, you know, in my um, my book, Hurting a Hole, I have a lot of scenes where I'm interacting with someone else around all the questions and the doubts and wrestling that I'm having around my chronic pain experience. Um, one of these in particular was when I met with um, this woman named Barbara from my church to pray with her regularly. And she gave me these beautiful um, images of what a relationship with God can look like during um, these moments of dark night of the soul kind of experiences. So I was able to like include these scenes in the book as a way for me to, you know, give readers a sense of what I was learning without um, having them feel like, you know, you have to learn this too, but more just like, this is what I gained from this. Maybe it'll help you as well. And then metaphor is just one of the most important ways we can convey our spiritual stories and our experiences. So, you know, we as human beings just think um, analogically and metaphorically by nature, like even phrases like, I see your point, like we don't really see it, but we're using our physical embodied experiences in order to kind of extrapolate out what what this experience of understanding another person might look like. Um, so there are several ways you can use metaphor in your spiritual stories. One is just simple description. So like I mentioned in my um, um, earlier example of going along in the train and having a panic attack, I described my anxiety as a vice, like something that was tightening and tightening in my chest. And um, there's another example from an LA Times editor um, on the podcast called Typecast. Um, he talks about this journalist who was reporting on the aftermath of a tornado. He described the trees like straws in a milkshake. Um, and he said that was like kind of a risky metaphor because like it's like you don't want to use metaphor just for the sake of using metaphor. Um, sometimes it doesn't work, but in this case it did work. Um, so we want to be aware that we're using metaphors that feel accurate, um, emotionally accurate or physically accurate to the experience. So when I think about something like deep and, you know, profound that I want to share with readers, I like to try to ask this question, what does this feel similar to? Um, what other experiences or images would help readers identify um, with my experience, help me to convey this feeling? Um, another way that you can um, use metaphor is to personify your experience or your feeling. So I was in a writing workshop 
a few years ago where one of the participants talked about grief as a dowager. Um, so this dignified elderly woman. Um, and so that, um, that kind of opened up a way of relating to her grief that wasn't running away from it or um, avoiding it, but kind of being curious about it. Like, I wanna to get to know you, um, even if the person was intimidating or the experience is intimidating to begin with. And when I started writing Hurting at Hull, I would refer to um, my pain in capital letters as the pain, because it was a way to, to help me convey to readers like the presence that I felt like the pain was occupying in my life. Like it was this thing that was like taking over my life. Um, and I ended up, you know, decapitalizing everything because I was being really inconsistent throughout the book, but I still used that personification and in different points. So in this little segment here, I talk about how the pain is like an old friend who calls me up every once in a while and tells me like, they know I'm just pretending <laughs> and they really know who I actually am. Um, and then lastly, you can use story as a metaphor. Um, so like we can talk, we can convey our own spiritual stories and see how they connect to these larger stories. Um, so in my, my book, I talk about um, my childbirth experience when I um, birthed my first child and how that experience of kind of leaning into the pain and not being afraid of it, but letting it work on me allowed me to engage differently with other kinds of pain, experiences of pain in my life. Um, and, you know, that kind of um, like analogical poetic parallel um, exercise that can sometimes um, obviously like childbirth is not the same as on um, chronic pain. Um, there's, there's a lot of differences. So the metaphors do fall apart at some time, um, at some points, but, um, and sometimes, you know, there's value in telling our story without knowing what everything means to them, um, to every detail. Um, yeah, like we don't have to have this like big, larger meaning in order to have our stories be worth telling. Um, but when we are able to connect our stories to these bigger conversations and more abstract ideas, that can also be a really helpful way to make meaning out of our stories. So, you know, Jesus does this with his kingdom of God parables. He talks about um, the yeast that works his way through the entire loaf or the, the story of the person who finds a pearl hidden in a field. So all of these are, are stories and images that allow readers to access this more like abstract and all-encompassing thing called the kingdom of God by, by tapping into their own experiences. I also really like this um, um, this passage from um, Robin Wall Kimmer. She does a really, she's a Potawatomi botanist and does a really great job with telling her own stories of being out in the natural world and how they might connect to these larger conversations. So she talks about her gardening experiences of growing corn and beans and squash, the three sisters method of um, indigenous growing. And then she connects that to how indigenous knowledge and scientific knowledge and ethical groundings might all be related and work together um, to nourish us. So I thought that was a really beautiful way to use storytelling and metaphor. Um, so I just wanna end by um, inviting us all to awaken our poetic and prophetic imaginations. I think that's what storytelling is about is um, you know, seeing the connections between our stories and bigger stories, between our stories and other people's stories, and then how they relate to the gospel story. Um, James Cone talks about 
you know, the failure of the poetic imagination within the white church. Um, and this is in his book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, when it came to um, like white Christians being able to understand the black experience and how the black experience of lynching paralleled um, Jesus' experience of crucifixion. Um, and, you know, Walter Brueggemann talks about something similar with the prophetic imagination, um, like how we need to like kind of unlatch our imaginations from like the ways that the empire has shaped our vision um, so that we're able to be, become this alternate community, the kingdom of God. Um, so I think that's our task as spiritual storytellers is to um, really use our imaginations and and be vulnerable and also see how our stories are related to each other and to this larger gospel story. Um, so for a practice, um, so Katie had kind of set us up with thinking about a scene um, that you might want to share from within your larger spiritual story. So go ahead and think about that scene again. And um, then I want you to use one of these two methods. Again, they're really basic, but I think the more practice you get on doing them, the better you get at doing them. So um, either thick description showing, not telling, really engaging your senses and, and asking like, okay, this scene, what did I smell? What did I taste? Um, what did it feel like on my skin? Those kinds of things, or to ask the question, um, the metaphor question, what does this feel similar to, or what other experiences or images can I employ to convey this experience? So we'll give you all a few minutes to um, do this practice. Mm -hmm. 